Welcome to NC Retold. A place where we get to know North Carolina. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Corey George. Today's episode of NC Retold is brought to us by Pilot Surveying and Engineering, providing civil engineering and land surveying services across the Carolinas. Check them out on the web at www.pilotse.com. Our guests today have been married for over 59 years. They've taught and showcased at the NC State Fair's Village of Yesteryear for over 20 years, and in 2018 won the North Carolina Heritage Award. Glenn is a multiple national champion hollering contest winner, a singing, songwriting, sawmill and machine, while Lula is a fifth-generation potter from the esteemed Owens family of Seagrove. Ladies and gentlemen, Glenn and Lula Bullock. Your family settled in Seagrove. Yes, from England. England, okay. <laughs> Were they potters before they got here? Yeah, I guess so. I, I don't know all the history that good, but I'd say there was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, being that most of the North Carolina pottery, or, I mean, how about maybe most, but Seagrove seems to be the capital of pottery in North Carolina, maybe U.S., maybe at least eastern United States. Why Seagrove versus anywhere else? Well, when we left there in uh, 73, there was five potters. And... uh, then seemed like when we moved, not because we we it was us, but potters started coming in from different states, and so that's a day. There's over a hundred. Hmm. So they so many's down there, you know. So you think it has to do with the soil? Is the clay there special? Yeah, there's three or four families that come over here from back in the 1700s, I guess. And they settled in that area because of the clay quality. Mm. That's why there's still a lot of brick, there's a lot of brick uh, operations down that direction, isn't there? Yeah, and we get our clay that we use out of South Carolina, the brickyard. Okay. We buy a tandem load about every two years. Mm. We run through that much in the two years. That's a bunch <laughs> of clay. Yeah. So, so I mean, what what goes into making your own clay? You make your own clay here, right? You yeah. order the clay and you pulverize it. And what what's the benefits of that? And and why why do that versus somebody who may well, just buy a just, bag off the shelf? We feel like it works better than than the clay you buy already mixed and in a plastic bag, you know. But uh, that's the way her dad did when we married. So I learned to do that from him. So we just stuck with that. Uh, we get a tandem load, as I say, and we dump it off down here in a shed and let it air dry because we run it through a hammer mill to pulverize it. Mm-hmm. And it has to be dry so it'll go through the screen, a fine screen in the bottom of that. And if it's good and dry, it'll just pour right through that screen and it blows it out into a barrel, 55-gallon barrel. And we fix a 55-gallon barrel every two weeks. Mm. We take it up there, and I've got an old brick-making machine that we grind it through it called a pug mill okay and you run it through there and then we store it in an old abandoned freezer that we got over there 
just pack it in there about five, six hundred pounds at a time. Right. And we take it out of that and run it through a little de-airing machine. It's got a suction on it. It sucks the air out of it. And you can just work it right then. And it works real good that way. Hmm. That's interesting. So speaking of working for her dad, y'all have been married for 59 years, right? Yeah, it'll be 60 years. May the 19th is coming up. <laughs> May the 19th, that's my anniversary. Oh, yeah. I'll have 10 in this year. Yeah. Not, not, not quite 60. <laughs> you told me that. I got, we'll have 10 years in. Yeah. And so is pottery the secret to being married for so long? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we just needed each other so badly, I guess, when we, when we met. And uh, it, it worked out good. You think working together and, and doing the business together and... You think that's helped, or well, I'm she, sure it's she's uh, the potter. <laughs> she right. likes the pottery the best, and I like the sawmilling the best. I grew up in a sawmill. Mm-hmm. My dad was a sawmiller, and his dad before him, and his dad before him. So she's she's a fifth generation potter, and I'm a fifth generation sawmiller. Mm-hmm. But we still do the both, and it's made a good living for us. Mm-hmm. So, from my understanding, you only met. And we're together for three months. About three months, yeah. Before you got married. Yeah. My goodness. What just must have been love at first sight, right? Well, I guess so. Yes. <laughs> and then you went to work for, both of you went to work for her dad after yeah, that? Yeah, we quit our pottery. jobs. Both of us did after we married. And we both quit our jobs and went to work in the pottery. We worked there 10 years, and I, I wanted to get back to the mountains where I grew up here. And, and that's, you worked for him in Seagrove, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And we moved here in 1973 and started our own business. Mm-hmm. And that was pottery and sawmilling? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bought so, my great-grandfather's old house here. This this house is 140 years old. Yeah, that's awesome. So part of it had been torn off, but uh, we, we added some on and dug a basement under it and stuff. Right. But we've, we've made it pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm a mountain person myself. What, I mean... Uh, I'm a, it sounds like you grew up around here. I mean, what was life like back up in the hills here? <laughs> well, I guess the first uh, remembrance was the little one-room schoolhouse is up near the 321 highway there at the St. Mark's Lutheran Church. My great-grandfather had given some property for that church and a little schoolhouse way back, I don't know what year it was, but they had a church and a school built in early 1900s, I think. And I went to school there the first three years of my schooling. And then they, there was several schools in the county way out in the country, like at Buffalo Cove and other places that had these one-room schoolhouses. Mm-hmm. But they started sending a school bus from Happy Valley School down in the county up here. We, we're on the upper end of the county, so mm-hmm. they sent a school bus up here, and we started going to Happy Valley School. And, uh, of course, we carried water from Grandpa Spraying out here for Mom to cook with and do her washing and stuff mm-hmm. uh, in buckets and things like that. There's ten kids in our family. so Ten kids. I'm number six. Okay. I was in the middle, kind of. But, <laughs> uh, That's a long way to carry a bucket in the cold, isn't it? Yeah, my grandpa and grandma lived here in this house, and we—I grew up in that house across the way over there. Okay. 
and we were always back and forth helping with whatever they needed over here. Mm-hmm. Helping cut firewood and stuff like that. Right. I mean, uh, was he kind of the local sawmiller at the time? Was he the one cutting up? No, he for... uh, he farmed a little bit. Uh, he had lost all his money in the stock market crash in 1929. Mm. Uh, he had a little store up on the highway up there mm-hmm. until that happened. And he lost everything he had, so... He came down here and took care of his daddy in this house till he died, and then he and Grandma lived here till they died. How do you think they? How how do you think they fared during the depression? Oh, they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. They lost it all in the stock market crash. Well, that's probably pretty common for this neck of the woods. You probably think? so. Yeah, my grandmother's parents had a some property over in Blackberry community mm-hmm. in Watauga County and uh when they died she she got that land but when they lost all their money she couldn't even pay the taxes on that place and some lawyer got it and mm-hmm. developed it that years later it's developed now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how how did you think working for your dad went in Seagrove? Newly married and well, quitting your jobs and going to work for your yeah, dad? It was all right. I I didn't start turning pottery till my daughter was two years old. So I've been making about 54 years. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we all got along all right, I reckon, with my dad. He had his ways, but we all got through it. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people caution doing business with family. <laughs> <laughs> but we moved here, and it wasn't easy at first. Right. He, he worked different jobs till we could uh, actually make a living mm-hmm. with pottery. And we started doing the state fire. We was in the village of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 83 and he quit he done it 16 years and I done it 26 years and then I told my daughter and her husband to get jewelry in so they do it now okay what do you think was the turning point from working pottery and trying to make it versus now that you now it's self-supporting what, what do you think that, when was that moment, and what do you think caused it? I guess it's when we went to the state fair and we met the people, you know, and got they got to know us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because and I started doing craft shows. Okay. I've done that for 35 years. Because, you, you, I mean, you, got, you all are pretty well known in the pottery community, and yeah. I think you, you have a lot of pieces that collectors look after, right? Yeah, that's who comes to the kill uh the kill openings. Okay. A lot of collectors. Especially face jugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They collect them a lot. Well, our daughter and son in law both full time potters and we didn't ever know how to market anything, you know. What we did here was just we made it and set it out over there and people come bought it. We didn't know how to advertise or nothing like that much and the craft shows kept us going for a good while. Mm-hmm. We'd done a craft show every weekend about it through the summer months. 
And but when my daughter, uh, she wanted to do pottery, she opened a shop in Blowing Rock, and that's when it really changed because she knew how to market stuff. She's she's good at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janet's helped us an awful lot in marketing. Right. We, you know something we didn't know a thing about. What What do you think makes a good pot? What makes the perfect pot? Well, my dad always taught us to make it thin, you know, make, get the walls thin. So it's spirits, I guess, you know. So the pot or not the clay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't like to see turning rings inside or out, you know, no. where you leave turning rings on them, but okay. I still leave some. <laughs> I do too. I never, well, we turned for him, we was turning on production. Yeah. And stacking kills and stuff like that when we first started with him. So, how many pots were you making a day? Well, usually we're making those little tiny cups for candles to go in. Oh yeah, we'd make five hundred of them a day. Five hundred a day. And got paid three cents a piece to make them and set them off. We didn't have to do anything else to them. Just make them and set them on a board. I made a thousand one day. A thousand. Mm. Yes. That's a lot of little cups, but that's around nineteen seventy-six. This is all on the wheel? No, it's before we moved here. It's like 1970. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's better money than you could make at a furniture factory back then. Really? Three cents a piece. Mm-hmm. You made 500, you had $15. $15. Yeah. So. That and that a, went a long way. That was a week's then. pay in the furniture factory back then. Yeah. That won't hardly buy you a couple gallons of gas now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm assuming that uh, being from uh, the Catal- Caldwell County Mountains, I mean, you, did you have any experience doing pottery before? You no, I've never dad? seen any pottery made, and uh, we didn't even, I don't remember studying about it in school or anything. I, I didn't know about pottery. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did, uh, growing up here, the kids, we, there was some clay bank up here in the branch, mm-hmm. and we dug out some old blue-looking clay, and we'd make little animals out of it, turtles and stuff, and let them dry in the sun. But I never knew about firing or nothing like that. I didn't. Yeah. How long did it take you to become a? How, how many years did it take you to become well, proficient potter? The first, first couple of years, we stacked the wood kills. He had three wood kills at that time, and Lou mm-hmm. and I, uh, we were stacking those wood kills in and out, putting them in, taking them out, firing mm-hmm. them and stuff, helping with the firing. Uh, after about two years, I started making more, trying to learn better. Mm-hmm. So uh, it didn't take long, you know, six months I was making them little cups and mm-hmm. stuff after I started trying to turn. Right. But I was using a kick wheel in. I had to pedal it while I was oh, making it. That sounds like a good workout. Well, he had electric wheels, but I, I learned on a kick wheel. But the, the main thing before I met Lula my dad was a sawmiller. He'd, he'd buy boundaries of timber all everywhere. We went to Abingdon, Virginia when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he logged with horses back then. Uh, Did you set the sawmill up on site? Yeah, put it right in the woods, you know, just move it from one little area to another. And log, all the logs had to come downhill with the horses. The first job I went on at the sawmill was down in the South Mountains of North Carolina, Burke County, where the all the liquor stills was <laughs> surely not and uh, yeah there was a lot of still down in there 
but I was 10 years old, and we had a cookhouse where my sister done the cooking for the sawmill crew. There's probably, I'd say, 12, 15 men, and she married, and her husband worked for my dad at the sawmill, so they built this little cabin out of just out of the old coal lumber, and they had a big dining room for the men, the big table for the men to eat on, and she done the cooking, and we slept in the back room back there. Mm. Now, the, all the hands slept in another place, like like a cowboy bunkhouse, you know, they built a place out away from there yeah. to sleep in. And they had the horses across the way there. They kept them at night to feed them and take care of them. Right. So I, car <coughs> I carried water for her to cook with from a spraying down below. Mm -hmm. Take two peck buckets and go get water. <laughs> Sounds like a job. Uh, your family grew up on this land and you were saying that they spent a lot of time farming up in the hills and growing, I guess, vegetable gardens and stuff for yeah. them to live off of. And I guess you were a part of that and spent a lot of time with your family out here. Yeah. They working had, working hard. They had chickens and cattle and horses. Of course we had horses to work. We stacked hay and, you know, mow hay and rake it with the horses and stack it yeah. with a pitchfork makes haystacks and stuff to feed them through the winter things like that uh, you couldn't buy you know if you don't have money you can't buy that stuff right so he had cattle and chickens and hogs we had hogs to kill butcher hogs mm -hmm. in the winter time sounds like his full-time job just to just to eat every yeah. day and of course we rabbit hunted we had some dogs to chase rabbits we'd shoot us a rabbit every now and then to eat mm -hmm. things like that what do, you, what do you think growing up like that is missing from people today that don't maybe don't have an appreciation for how hard it was? Well, I'm I'm afraid we're fixing to find out. The way things is looking, mm -hmm. it ain't looking too bright. <laughs> if it, I, I mean, it does appear that you don't know how to grow your own food. Hard times might be ahead. Every day's a tough day. Every day's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say one thing uh, that helped us. Uh, when we first started in the pottery there, I did jobs. I had an old truck, and I could haul stuff from building sites. And I brought a lot of it brought here and burned, you know, mm -hmm. just lumber and stuff like that. But, uh. I worked at that, and then I got interested in the school, North Carolina schools, and I auditioned for the artist in residence program. And I, I went to a lot of schools mm -hmm. in North Carolina and taught, or did a program for the fourth graders mostly, fourth graders and seventh graders. Mm -hmm. My program was called Entertainment Before Electric Power. And I take all kinds of instruments and demonstrate the music. And uh, we did music and storytelling. And I took a lot of toys and demonstrate homemade toys to the classes. Mm -hmm. And it was very, very successful. That's uh, interesting. That's, that's not. Uh, I did. I did that program for a lot of years, and I see people now that has their own kids that I 
talked to back then. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd say, Mr. Bullock, you're the man. <laughs> Showed us all them toys and stuff. Yeah. And they still remember all that good stuff. Hmm. Tell me but, about uh, the wreck we had in Morganton. Yeah, we had a wreck down there in Morganton <laughs> in the snow one year. And uh, my son, had I took him down there to buy a truck and was coming back and uh, this car come around in the snow and run us, hit us, knocked us off the road. And there's traffic behind us because the roads were slick, you know. And, and here come a little uh, highway patrolman running up to my car to see if we was all right. He said, you all right, Mr. Bowley? <laughs> I said, well, yeah. I said, have you already called Raleigh and got my tag number and know who I am? He said, no, you said you told stories in my school now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just that quick, he knew who I was. Uh, so what was life like before electricity? <laughs> well. What kind of music or instruments did uh, they play? I, I'd take a banjo and a dulcimer and, and a guitar, harmonica, and a jaw harp and stuff like that. A jaw harp. And I had a. A washboard I'd let the kids play. Oh, yeah. And a tambourine and stuff like that. I had a little band. I'd get me together a band that would... What's uh, a jaw harp? That's a Jew's harp. A little thing you put, hit it with. Oh, okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that program two weeks ago, a week or so ago, on the students uh, from all around the world, what they call the exchange students, mm -hmm. came here Sunday evening week ago Sunday, and I did that program for them. That's so lady. you're a musician's what I'm hearing. Well, somewhat, yeah. <laughs> I never was good at it, but I, I could fake it a little bit. <laughs> you sing too? Oh, yeah. I've written songs. I wrote a sawmill song. Okay. Sold it to a guy in California. All right. But I never, I, it never got big time or nothing. But right. it's about my great-grandfather my grandfather my dad and myself four generations of, each generation had a different power system mm. the guy that built this house my great-grandfather sawed the lumber with a up-and-down saw powered with water wheel down here mm -hmm. then his son used a steam engine my dad used a kerosene burner and I use a diesel so the song progresses each verse okay is there somewhere where somebody can listen to you singing that? Yeah, I got some CDs with it on it. Okay. But I've written a lot of songs, gospel songs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, went places and played. Played at the Bill Monroe Festival over in Kentucky at the oh. Cumberland Highlander Show. Mm-hmm. I was on that program and did some good stuff like that. So if something happens to the pottery and the sawmilling industry, uh, you're still in good shape. <laughs> the music days are over. I can't, <laughs> I can't do that no more. Do you uh, sing vocals with him? Yeah, I used to. My voice got so I couldn't sing. Yeah, she and my daughter sang with me. They used to sing but with me a lot. We'd... My daughter sings alto just like my mom did. My dad and mom sang too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. she. My daughter... He's got a CD with her singing. Okay. She plays the mandolin. Okay. But I've got my my little wall of fame over there in that little amphitheater. Yeah. You need to go in there and see that. Okay. Places I've played and done stuff. 
won the national hollering contest one time. The national hollering contest. <laughs> yes, Please explain. At Spivey's Corner, North Carolina, they used to have a contest there. and Every year they'd have people to come and have a contest. So I won it in 1988. The hollering contest. Yeah. What, how, how do you win the hollering well, contest? Well, it was a, they claim it was a way of communicating before telephone. And these farmers down in them big fields, you know, they're going to meet out there and start plowing the mule at daybreak. Mm -hmm. And they'd get up and get their harness on the mule, and they'd yell down a message to their neighbor, a little tune or something, and they knew they was ready to go. Okay. So they could answer them back. So you, those things are, it was a way of communicating. So, like, if you ever lost in the woods, you'll holler, help, help, or something. Mm-hmm. But if you let it come from a diaphragm, you can holler all day and it won't you won't lose your voice. If you Hey oh hey, hey oh something like that. Okay. How would somebody interpret that as help? <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee somebody could <laughs> carry on like that. Right. Right. They might think you got into one of the liquor stills up in the mountains, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's some around here, wasn't there? <laughs> I don't know of any uh, right in this area, but right. I'm sure there were some. I, we, I run across them when we hunt. We bear hunt and deer hunt sometimes, and mm -hmm. we see places where there was some. Uh, yeah, it was a, I'm sure there was a lot of it made around. I've heard some stories about old Wilkes County up there. Yeah. I had several of them. Uh, nothing like was in uh, down there in Burke County mm -hmm. when, when I was my dad that had the sawmill, he moved it. I think there was 10 or 12 sawmills in that big area there. It's a, it's a state park now mm -hmm. where we cut timber back then. Made a state park out of it. And they've, they've left those old steel sites, a lot of them, so people can, on the walking trail, so they can see them, you know. Yeah. But uh, the FBI or whatever it was come and stopped the crew one day that's walking from the, Sawmill to the camp to eat lunch. Yeah, and they jumped out behind trees with them Tommy guns. Stuff oh man! And held them bay there till asked them where they're going, what they're doing. They said we're going to go eat lunch at the sawmill camp. You know, they sawmilling up there. And said, "Who's your boss man?" I said, "He's back there." He held them, helped the whole crew there till my dad got up there and he talked to him a little while and he. He finally let the men go on to eat and kept my dad there and talked to him for a good while to figure out what's going on around there. Mm. But he couldn't tell them much. Uh, yeah. He was a good Christian man and humble as could be, but, uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't just go blurt out something that, against somebody. Yeah. They'd burn you out or steal it. Oh, yeah, I bet. Man, I bet you got some good stories from sawmilling well, i bet you've seen some <laughs> interesting things yeah i have over the years what what sticks uh, out in your mind the most well that storytelling thing that i did in the schools uh, it was mostly jack tales you know like jack and the beanstalk jack was a character in a lot of different stories but uh in my book i published several years ago is full of stories that I picked up from sawmill camps and, oh, okay. and the rock crusher when I worked for them people. What's the name of that? If this ain't true, grits ain't groceries. 
Okay. That's the name of the book. <laughs> and uh, I collected stories about the farm here, about the spring house and how we did that stuff and uh, things like that. Are these stories from neighbors, family members? Yeah, I started, my son and I was collecting old mountain sayings, we called it, that we'd hear people say these funny sayings, you know, we just started writing them down, and I was going to put a book together with just mountain sayings in it, but uh, after we got about 200 of them, I said there's a story behind this, almost every one of those sayings that I could write, so I wrote these little stories to go along with. Okay, that's cool. Where can we find that out? I don't know. I sold all of the books I had printed. I think they made uh, 3,600 of them, but uh, wow, okay. they were sold off pretty pretty soon. A lady in Greensboro helped me. Uh, she edited it for me. I didn't know how to do mm-hmm. anything on uh, writing a book, but she she writes a lot of books, Lynn Saucy, mm-hmm. and she's very good at North Carolina history. Mm-hmm. So... I met her up at Ray Hicks's house. I'd been up there to visit Ray, and she was there working on a book for him. And when she finished that, she helped me with my book. So she's very good at, at what she does. So well, uh, how impressed at his hollering competition were you? <laughs> well, I don't know. I went with him, and... It's over 100 degrees down there, so, yeah. Did you stand up and say, yeah, that's my husband, or no, I ain't never met him before? No, (laughs) but he was on the Pat Sajak show. Okay. Ed Ed Sullivan show, you know, people used to be on that. Yeah. But he got on the Pat Sajak show, and he went to California. Johnny Carson had had hotter than people on there before. Johnny Carson, but yeah. But he didn't want anybody the year I won, so I met a guy, and I was doing some work for him in Blowing Rock, and he was a he sent people to that, or called about that show, and got me on the, Pat Sajak had a talk show, you know, for yeah. a few months. I told him he didn't last long, but I'd done what I could for him. Yeah. <laughs> you still keep in touch with him? No. No? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Ah, uh, that was that was got a lot of mileage out of it, but it was just kind of a fluke thing. But it was a lot of fun. What? When was that? When you was in California? Nineteen eighty nine. Eighty nine. What was? Uh, what was? Was it in Los Angeles? Uh, Hollywood, I reckon. Yeah. What? I don't know if that's in Los Angeles. <laughs> I don't been, know. Have you been back since? No, I ain't going back. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a place for me either. <laughs> Not quite like the mountains of North Carolina. Yeah, right. So tell me about the Natural Heritage Award. That's something that a couple of members of y'all's family has won, right? And you, My brother won the right? national. And and what, what is that? What does that entail? You know, I don't really know much about about that. My brother is a quite-like feller, and uh he didn't say much about it but it's something higher than the one we got okay yeah and which one is the one that you got just uh north carolina heritage award 
what qualifies somebody to win that award? Well, you have to be in like crafts like pottery, music, dance, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And you, I guess, you have to be done it several years, right? Because we've been doing it then fifty some. Hmm. And this professor in Boone, Tom McGowan, he nominated us. Okay. And he helped get us in there. We knew him. We've known him for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good man. And uh, we went to Raleigh to accept it. I hadn't been to Raleigh in, Lord. Well, when my dad got it, I went down there. But... Uh, they sure was nice to us, those mm-hmm. arts council people. We had a good time. but uh, well, I mean, that's not something everybody wins. No, no. Yeah, it was nice getting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we got it, there's a banjo player and a dancer and who else? A fiddle player and a, yeah. a two fiddle players, a mandolin yeah. player. Yeah. Did you step up and sing for them a minute? Or? Yeah, they let us. Each, okay. each, uh, each one of us had a, a... We did three songs, I think, my daughter and wife together. Yeah. And uh, the best thing I saw was a, a guy with a, a... He was a black guy, had a band. He played a lot of horns, different horns. He put on a show that was awesome. He was really? awesome. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's cool. So, if you if you could go back and change one thing, what would it be? You know, I can't think of anything. I mean, I don't know. It's not been easy all these years, but mm-hmm. God's blessed us, you know, through the years. We've not had any real bad sickness in the family. My son-in-law had cancer, but he's cancer-free now. Mm. So, mm. it's been a good life. I, I don't know of anything I'd change. Wouldn't have bought an electric kiln sooner. <laughs> well, I'd get one if, but he don't want it. Oh, okay, <laughs> all right. He don't want the computerized. <laughs> So okay. well, I wouldn't know how to operate it. Well, I think I could operate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Sounds like that's on her Christmas list. Yeah, it's, it's too late to start something new now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you change anything? Not a thing. Not a thing. That's good. So if you had any advice for somebody just getting started in pottery, what would that be? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't know. It takes a lot of practice. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to make 50 mugs, you want them all not exactly alike, but, you know, close. Yeah. So, yeah, it takes a lot of practice. I grew up in it, so it just come natural right. to me. Yeah. But you have to struggle along till you, yeah. you know, the word gets out and you can... You can make it, you know, if you just depend on that. But a lot of potters, they got another job, you know, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can make good pots, but if nobody knows about it, I guess it That's doesn't matter. Right. 
Yeah. What makes a pot a collector's item? Uniqueness, potter, both, glazing. I guess. I mean, to be to to do pottery, I mean, you gotta be good at a bunch of things, right? You gotta know yeah, what temperatures and what clays you gotta work with. There's more to it with, than just making it. You gotta know how to. We mix our own glazes, mm-hmm. most of them. How do you make How do you make a glaze? Well, it's uh, like ground glaze, which is frit, mm-hmm. and then you got your coloring to put in it. Cobalt's what we use a lot, mm. and different stuff. So I'm very interested in how you make your own clay. How in the world do you get the moisture content right? Well, that clay, that old clay mill over there. And where do you find a clay mill? That's just well, that I, I, mill, I can't see. I've seen one at Lowe's before. No, that's an old brick mill. It was made. It's over a hundred years old. Yeah, but it's the smallest one they made. They made them in Statesville, mm-hmm. J.C. Steel Company. They made all kinds of uh, equipment back in the turn of the century, you know. So it was a it was the smallest brick mill that they made for making solid brick, mm-hmm. and it was in a building down in Seagrove when I worked for ML down there. And we used that mill. So it was owned by another company, a candle company had it. And they let us use that brick mill because we was making pottery for them to pour candles in. Oh, yeah, okay. And so <clears throat> they finally, uh, we got the brick mills. There was two of them. ML has his son has the bigger one, and I got the smaller one and brought up here when I moved here. We got it from the family that owned that building that they was in. Right. But uh, about 20 years ago, I guess it was, I wanted to get some new blades for it because it's getting worn out, and uh, I called J.C. Steel Company down in Hickory, or Statesville. And he said, well, let me get my dad. I said, he knows more about the older stuff than I do. I talked to him a few minutes. He said, hold on a minute. He said, let me get my dad. <laughs> <laughs> so he was three generations still working in at J.C. Steele. Yeah. And he was excited to know that somebody else had a, one of those meals. He said, there's only three of them known in the world now. Wow. <laughs> so... I told him what I wanted, and he said, you know, you're not going to believe this. We said, we've got two sets of blades. And he said, every year when we do inventory, we just debate whether to throw them blades away or not. I said, I'll, I'll ship you a set of them for $100. So he shipped me a set in the mail, and he wanted to know where I lived exactly. And he said, I want to come and take a picture of that clay mill. So we was over there working one day, and big Cadillac pulled up in the yard and he got out and took a picture of it. And I met him. He he talked to me about the brick mill. He said there was no one only three of them known in the whole world anymore. Wow. That small one. Yeah. Now the bigger ones, uh there's some of them around I think where mm-hmm. they but these little ones are made for like a community if they're gonna build a school or something out of brick. Yeah. They would need to machine there to make them yeah and they could dry them in the sun and fire them in a wood kiln like we do with pottery out there yeah so it does you just dump it dump the dry clay in a big tub and pour water in there and stir it with a shovel 
and then shovel it through that brick mill and it just pushes it right out. So are you training up the next generation yeah, to take got, this over? Yeah, we've got a family that comes help us grind clay uh, called Ten Hands Pottery. Okay. There's ten, uh, five of them, so they've got ten hands. Oh, yeah. That's a family. Yeah. He and his wife and three kids. And they're coming along. They're just a young couple who's got three kids. and mm-hmm. uh, I guess the oldest one's a teenager, but they come help us grind clay every time. And they get their clay from us. So Yeah. You sell clay too? You sell No, clay? I don't sell much clay. Really? Too much trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you're selling a bunch of pottery. Yeah, the pottery's done <clears throat> done real well. My daughter is in charge of that. She she got the shop in town and most of our stuff goes through her shop. Right. Because we don't get many people down in here no more. Mm-hmm. Before they built that four lane up there, we got a right good many people. Right. And uh they started that. We knew it was going to be three or four years before they got opened it up. So we knew nobody's coming down in here. My daughter got the shop in town, and it went, most of our stuff sold through her shop. Right. But they, a lot of people go in there. They want to see where it's made, and she sends them down here. They come right on down here to just have people pull up during yeah. the day and just yeah. come hang out and see you. And yeah, they do. Was yeah, it? me and my son still run the sawmill a little. We we still saw some logs and logs. Yeah. That keeps me happy. <laughs> she Keep likes you, the pottery a lot. He'd rather be sawmilling than over there at the shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been out on my back over to over a year and a half, oh. off and on, so mm. I've not been making a lot. Yeah. My sister in Seagrove, Nancy at Owens Pottery, makes mugs for me and soup bowls and there's that's the oldest one and it's still in operation with your family yeah my great-grandfather started in the late 1800s you you ever go back down there and make some pottery with your no family for old with time's my sake back and... trouble i was down there in september we had a meal down there but i can't ride too good with this back yet yeah. so you know, and we're busy here in the summer, so, yeah. And this COVID's yeah. stopped a lot of visiting. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, pottery is. Yeah. It's back-breaking. Yeah. That's what's got my back right now. I bet. Arthritis. Mm. But I, I've worked some this week, so. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be over there than in the house. Right. As you can see, I don't do a lot of, uh, I'm not into housework. (laughs) I don't know anybody who is. I just don't worry about it anymore. (laughs) See, you got to scrape the bottoms, put your name on it. So if people wants the name on it, they won't hardly buy it if it's not signed. Yeah. So that was our job. And crawling in the wood kill, me and my sister. Growing up, uh, those two of us went in the wood kill. My dad would be in the back. You can go look at the wood kill and see. And one would be on up toward the where he was at, and one in the firebox, handing it to him. We had to crawl in there. <laughs> it's about that much space. 
Mm. Lay down in there and start at the back. Packing. And hopefully it's nice you, and cool by the time you get in there. My dad was famous for his teapots. I'll have to show you one. Okay. And if you broke one of them teapots. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and I make teapots. sound like you broke one for. <laughs> I, I have. But I make teapots now, and I, see, I can see why he got so upset. Because you make the teapot, and then you got to put the spout on it and a handle on it. They're a lot of work. Right. So I can see why he got upset. You've got a teapot that's going to bring, back in those days, $20. Eighteen or twenty dollars back then, but if you just nick one little place on it, you've you've lost the whole teapot. It, it's not like you just chip a corner off of a spout or something, just a little tiny piece. Hmm. You've you've yeah. run the whole teapot. Yeah. <laughs> what in the world is that? That's the jaw harp, a Jew's harp. <laughs> Never seen one of those in my life. That's called a Jew's harp. I don't know if it's mean Jewish Jewish nation or Jew's harp. Yeah. I've seen it on boards where you buy in the music store. Jaw harp, Jute harps, J-U-T-E, and Jews, J-E-W-S, Jew's harp. I don't know what the real name is for it. Yeah. If it's a Jewish instrument, I don't know, but I've seen it advertised as Jew's harp. Juice harp is what we call. It. Now, are you? Is that is the only thing making a noise, or are you doing uh, something? I'm just changing my voice on it inside. You know, yeah. it's how you blow your breath on it. I reckon. Blowing my breath on it. Yeah. Here's Glenn now singing Sawmill Man. With a team of horses that was colored brown I'm proud to be a sawmill man I'll cut timber anywhere I can It runs in my family from what I understand My daddy's daddy's daddy was a sawmill man Supper on the table I'm proud to be a sawmill man I'll cut timber anywhere I can It runs in my family from what I understand 
My daddy's daddy's daddy was a sawmill man Better than the ones before Saw all day with a gallon of oil A kerosene burner that was mounted on wheels Move it around like an automobile I'm proud to be a sawmill man Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to our channel wherever you get your podcast to be notified of new episodes. Remember to be on the lookout for new episodes at the first of every month. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review and comment on what you like the most. If you know someone who has a good story to tell or suggestions on how to improve, please email us at info at ncretold.com. Carolina. <laughs>